Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Chris Tegna, joined as always by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting. And then the man without a title, I guess, bud. We don't know what you do. I just asked you. You said, I have no idea. I have no idea what my title is. Bud Elliott, you might have seen him on Cover 3. Also helps with our podcast network. Bud, it's that time of year. It's a blue chip ratio. We see you on Paul Feinbaum. We get to see that pretty face everywhere we go. How we doing, bud? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay, man. Like I had a four-year-old birthday party on Saturday and, and just, just came up sick, so. I hope Ivans didn't get this. Uh, I, I didn't realize that I had this when I was down there at uh, the FAU FSU camp on Monday. But <laughs> I didn't even put the two and two together, but I am fine. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was wondering why Andrew looked a little bit down yeah. there, but uh, now now we know. But seriously, this is, uh, I think, something that uh, people and college football fans look forward to year in and year out. But those who have maybe heard – uh, of the blue chip ratio for the first time on this show as a listener. Can you kind of break this down, the impetus of it, when you started it, and why you think it's has some relativity uh, when it comes down to maybe trying to identify some of the programs around the country who have a legitimate shot at winning a national championship? Yeah, sure. So blue chip ratio, uh, a little over a decade ago now, I yeah, I, I would see all these preseason stories about how like Wisconsin could win a national title or Michigan State or you know, TCU right when they first joined uh, the Big 12 and, and it's some teams in that range. And I would be at these recruiting camps uh, and I was like, these teams just are not signing the same quality of player or at least not that qual- that quality of player in the same quantity that like an Alabama or a Clemson or a USC does. Right. And so I went back and I said, there's got to be some way to quantify this. Like, what, what is the bare minimum level of talent that you need to sign in order to win a national championship? And that's really how I, I you know, birth blue chip ratio. It came out a really clean number. You need to sign more four and five star prospects than two and three star prospects in the previous four years. I used 24 seven sports, you know, composite and it just came out really clean. So I've, I've used it ever since. And look, it's not a measure of culture, of development, of retention, attrition, none of that stuff. Like this is just, have you recruited well enough to take home the biggest prize in the sport? All the other stuff matters too. But if you haven't hit this, I'm fairly confident on an annual basis that you're not going to be the team hoisting the trophy at the end of the year. Well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm sure the big one that comes up is is TCU, right? TCU made it to the college football playoff. They 
faced Georgia wasn't much of a game, but I went back and I, I looked at last year, right? Uh, TCU was not one of your 15 teams from the 2022. They were, they were not. Right. No, I, so, yeah, go ahead. No, so, like, I, I liked TCU a lot last year. I, I bet them, you know, 28-1, to 20-1 to to win the Big 12 and, and hedge that out when they played Kansas State. But we did see they lost by eight touchdowns to Georgia in the final. Like, that was a very good college football team. And then one of the teams that recruits at the really high level that also had the culture piece and the coaching piece and the developmental piece, and, you know, stayed, stayed pretty healthy, they, they smoked them. Um, this has come close to getting busted a couple times. Oregon with Mariota. And Deshaun, the first game when Saban onside kicked, they were both like high 40%. I think this gets busted at some point, but it probably takes that formula, like legitimate first round, like top of the first round type quarterback with a roster that's on the precipice of being there. Like TCU and Cincinnati recently were not really close. So I was pretty confident they were not going to win at all. And I think when you, you – all right, so you mentioned Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati had been in the college football playoff. You mentioned TCU. I think when you look at those two programs, right, they might not have, you know, over 50% of, of the blue chippers, but they do seem to have something you touched on, the developmental aspect, right? Uh, TCU with eight NFL draft selections this most recent year, three of those guys day one or day two, and then Max Duggan, the quarterback you mentioned, he went in the seventh round. So it seems like – if you get the quarterback right and then you have some development, that's the best route to busting this this kind of trend. I, I, I yeah, I, absolutely. And I think it's got to be like a legitimate, like high level quarterback that, that plays, you know, like, like Caleb Williams. The team I was nervous about this year before I ran the numbers was what if USC wasn't back in, right? And I, I thought maybe they'd get back in. They barely did. They snuck in. So I'm happy about that. I really was not going to you know, be all that comfortable putting that USC team with Caleb Williams outside of this because I mean look what if that team stays healthy they may have they may play enough defense and score 45 50 like if you're an opposing D coordinator you don't really want to face him come playoff time Utah took care of him after he got hurt but if he doesn't get hurt in a Pac-12 title game I, I don't know like Utah may score 40 but USC was moving up and down the field on those guys every drive before Caleb got clipped so I, yeah I, I think that the the difference maker is certainly the quarterback. And you rarely see teams win the national title without the culture piece and the development piece. Like you have to have that too, but you're not culturing and developing your way to a natty if you don't at least recruit at a certain level. In 2014, there were no teams over the 75% clip of the blue chip ratio. Today, in 2023, that number stands at eight. Is there a way for you to explain, I guess, the uptick that we have seen with the elite programs around the country and how they have built their rosters into sustainable college football playoff type of products. So a couple things here. One, I think we have had some star inflation over the last decade or so. There's there's like 15 or 20 more four stars per class, it looks like, if you go back through the history of the composite. Uh, so you have to acknowledge that. That's not going to account for most of it. I, I think a lot of it is we used to have a lot more teams in the low 40s the high 30s, the mid 30s. I, I think the sort of middle class of college football is worse than it used to be, honestly. Like some of your ACC teams, some of your middle class Big Ten teams, like Big Ten West teams, I don't think they're landing as many four stars as they used to land. Uh, and so I think those kids are playing on these super teams more, which we can go over all the factors, but I think a lot of this is like, you know, these travel teams play on seven on seven, visiting schools earlier and more often, more comfortable going away from home. You know, taking the regional nature of this out and making it a more national recruiting game 
I think has made the talent cluster more at the top. So, I mean, in, in a way, it's kind of like a two-class society here that's kind of unfolding. Is that the way you see it? Almost like we might go to a two-team Super League at some point. Yeah, it <laughs> could be. Uh, yeah, it, I do. it. To me, like, think about, in my mind, there's like 18 teams that try to win the national title and recruit, like, spend the money like they're trying to win it, right? USC, Oregon, Texas, Oklahoma, three in the Big Ten, right? All, all in the East. I think Miami with the crystal ball hire, you have to put them in there. Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then the rest of the teams are from the SEC. Basically, all the Tennessee and, and FSU are the two that I would say spend like it that are not in this list right right now. Next year, they're almost certainly going to be in. I think it's well, kind of encapsulating everybody that that's trying. <laughs> well, I, we're a few minutes into the podcast, and I guess we should we highlight the the, the teams that do come in above 50%. You already said USC, they're at, they're at 52%, but you want to start at the top and just kind of rattle off these teams. It's a lot of the ones you just mentioned, but these are what the 16 that you say have a chance to win a national title here in, in 2023. Yeah, or have recruited well enough yeah, right, to, yeah, to get exactly, the other stuff yeah. right. Because I definitely don't think some of these teams will win it or should be considered to win it, honestly. But at, at least over the last four years, they, they've brought in enough physical talent. What they did with it is, is kind of a different story. So Bama 90% is the first 90% team we've ever had. Kind of gives me a little pause in the whole, like, we sure LSU's not better than Bama thing because <laughs> there's a chance that left these guys hit that they're just, they're, they're, you know, they're on top of the West again. Ohio State 85%, Georgia 77%, which is exactly what they've been the last two years, and it worked out pretty well for them. Uh, A&M 73%, Clemson 72, LSU 71, Texas 70, Oklahoma 70, Oregon 67, the Irish in at 65, Florida 64, Miami 61, Penn State 55, Michigan 54, uh, USC 52, and Auburn 51. But have you looked into, like, it, the part of this I'm just thinking of that I thought would be interesting is evaluating maybe Alabama's roster at 90%. But obviously Alabama, who was in the mix to have the number one rated class in college football history this past year, and same with Texas A&M the year before that, I find it to be interesting to see where that roster is in terms of their development, right? Because then you could say, okay, hey, if 65% of this 73% for Texas A&M is in their second or third year, then maybe that gives me a little bit better of an idea of how how much I could should consider them an actual contender. Yeah, I, I have played around with weightings on that. Uh, as well one of the things is like do you give it like what weight do you give to fourth year guys because a lot of these guys being signed uh, are going to go to the pros after just three years the other thing that screws this up when you when you go to the weightings is all these guys that got COVID years right like i, I really for, from a data perspective in college football i cannot wait until we just wash all these COVID guys out and like okay like everybody's back to you know you, you get you get four actual seasons of play plus a redshirt but no i cooper i, I do think there's some merit to that right should AM have missed a bowl game last year with the talent in their roster? Uh, no. I, I think they probably didn't nail the culture piece or the coaching piece. You know, was it early to think they're going to win a national title? Probably, given the, the youth of some of their elite guys. I want to okay. talk a little bit about um, the conferences. You brought up the conferences, right? And I think it's interesting when you talk about the Big 12 and the Pac 12, now with the conference realignment here in the next year or so in, in, in 2024. But it, it leaves this gaping hole in the Big 12, 
right now with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And you kind of talked about it in your article, which you can find on 24-7 Sports. And outside of Texas and Oklahoma, there is no team in the Big 12 that fills this void. That would be over 50% in the blue chip ratio. USC to the Big 10, it only leaves Oregon. That being said, Oregon's in the thick of it. What are they, number nine? Right yeah. at 67%. That number kind of jumped out. Same with Notre Dame at, at, at 65%. But but your your just initial takeaways on that. I, I I feel like there has to be a team, especially where the Big 12 is positioned geographically, that can take advantage with the conference realignment. Yeah, and, and the Big 12, I mean, I don't think any team is even three classes away from getting into this. Right. Like TCU is probably the closest that they have seen a bit of an uptick in their recruiting. And I think where they're positioned geographically makes some sense. But from a roster standpoint, they're not really that close. Texas Tech is still many classes away. If you wanted to go, go to them. You know, Baylor, I, I it's hard for me to envision them doing that, given that it's, it's hard to recruit a lot of elite kids at the same time to Waco. I, I think this is sort of why you're seeing uh, or Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark pitch different aspects of the new conference, how competitive it is. There's really no terrible teams in the Big 12. I mean, West Virginia may be the worst. So you're going to have a lot of really fun competitive games. It, will somebody step up to fill that void? I, I mean, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So like maybe, but I, I don't know that we have to assume that somebody has to. Like It may be that if you are one of the teams consistently going to the playoff, you're really happy to draw the Big 12 champ every year because you realize they're not going to have the quality of player. Certainly, most of the Big 12 champs, not named Oklahoma recently, haven't. I mean, like, they're not really close. What about UCF? Any, I mean, I, and I should preface that with saying, you know, they just had their biggest recruiting weekend, I think, in program history, like 20 official visitors. Um, I think the G, you know, where, where they are located – and I thought what was unique about that visitor weekend is they went up into Georgia, right? There was a ton of kids from Georgia. And I think that is an absolute smart play because the kids are either going to go to Georgia or Georgia Tech. And sure, that area is over over recruited. But, hey, you're playing Big 12 football. I mean, I mean, they're st- they still got to be a few years away as, as well, right? Yeah, I mean, so last year, uh, you know, 12 high school signees, three four stars, right? So, like, that's they're definitely several years away from playing on that level uh, or at least recruiting to that level to get on the list. But I mean, if we consider TCU, we kind of have to consider UCF, right? Talent rich state. They dominated a former G5 conference for a long time, just like TCU did with the Mountain West, just like, you know, Utah did uh, with, with, with their league. So yeah, I, I think that's possible. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But is it fair to use this like blue chip ratio? I'm looking at this and to me, it's almost like a sliding scale, right? You, you talked about some aspects that are hard to kind of bake into the cake, right? You talked about culture. You talked about player development as well. All different things that are very hard to quantify. I guess player development is is not. But you know, I wonder, I look at A&M at 73%, right? You, you talked about them not being bowl eligible last year. Honestly, the number for Clemson and Dabo at 72, it was a little bit higher than I would have thought. Uh, I thought it, it would have been probably closer to Oregon at Notre Dame. Notre Dame at 65 is a little bit higher. But, you know, I look at Michigan, right? Michigan's at 54%. I think they're at 18, right? Out of, or excuse me, 13 out of, out of 15. That's a team to me that overachieves in those two categories in terms yeah. of player development and culture. And it's interesting because you look at Ohio State, their, their counterpart, 85%. And it's Ohio State can go toe-to-toe with Georgia, right? But that game over the last two consecutive years has been really kind of dictated by physicality in the trenches. So I feel like there's something that you can take away from this. I, I feel it with Texas, right, and Oklahoma. Those are those are two teams that being at 70%, you know that they're highly capable. They're a piece or, or two away, right? But I, I feel like there is something that you can take away from this in terms of hey, these teams are really talented, or maybe these teams are not as talented as we think they are, and they're overachieving. So I, it's a great point. And one thing I, I, I want to caution people, don't use this to bet games. And I really try not to like, I don't use this at all in betting games, and I really don't like a 90% should beat a 54%. I, I'm not going to tell you there's no difference in those rosters, but I really do think it's just sort of a minimum minimum you need to hit, and the rest comes down you know, to fit, development, culture, coaching, staying healthy like Michigan they they seem to really know exactly what type of player fits their system you know and I don't think star chasing is a bad thing at this level a lot of this level I think is get the absolute most amount of talent you can and fit your scheme around it right like get get the freaks that that just don't walk on the sidewalk every day Michigan their player development seems to be awesome it wouldn't shock me if in a couple of years somebody writes up an article or a book about some of the interesting player dev stuff you're doing. Like if you guys follow baseball at all or these other sports, like, oh yeah, we're doing all this new, you know, cryo chamber 20 years ago stuff. And they, they have to be doing something up there because they are playing at a really high level consistently. I, I think their culture and the buy-in they have is really good. And if, I mean, if they get quarterback play, like better than what JJ McCarthy gave them last year, they're, they're really right there to win it on Texas. I'm kind of high on Texas. Here. I think they may have turned things around. Like, When's the last time Texas had really good line play on both sides of scrimmage? Everybody's back on the O-line. We're hearing some really good things from Chip Brown about some of these four and five stars they signed who are actually stepping up and beating out guys who are returning starters from last year. And I think they're very deep on the defensive line. And that, I mean, I talked to Chip yesterday for our summer school series on cover three, and that'll be out soon. But as a preview, he said, yeah, this is, this is the best Texas has been on line of scrimmage in 20 years. So – like okay and he's covered them since like the early 90s we were just talking about that on a previous episode uh just all the beef they got up front 
But I wanted to ask you, and I know you addressed this last year in the blue chip ratio, and you, you addressed it again here this year, um, the transfer aspect. like That hasn't been in, fully incorporated right in this, but you, you did provide the what the BCR number would be if, if there were some transfers. Just, you know, what are your thoughts? Because player movement's at an all-time high, and as you know, it's it's not going anywhere in terms of guys jumping from – program to program, moving up, moving down and all that. Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's not going away, right? So I wanted to have a way to quantify it. I I definitely think 24-7 sports has invested more resources in their transfer rankings than anybody else out there. Like, I, I, just given the amount of people we have working on this who have you know college front office experience and, and scouting experience, I, I really do think we have good transfer grades. And it's not an easy thing to do, especially for some of these guys who have not played once they have arrived at a school. So you have to have good sources on this stuff too. What we're seeing so far with the transfer portal, at least what the NFL draft is telling us, which is what we use to measure our rankings, right? And is that there are a lot of good players to come out of the transfer portal. Most of the teams on this list who are taking players are finding players that are somewhere between above average to very good. A couple will be elite, but like the vast majority of first rounders were not, you know, transfers that you can go get on the open market. Caleb Williams will be, but that's a coach. He's following the coach. Like, that's not a normal situation. There may not have been a Jared Verse type player or Jermaine Johnson type player this in this year's portal. So for the most part, like, there's only three transfer five stars this year. You know, there's not a whole lot of, like, crazy difference makers. And I say that to look at this. Most teams' blue chip ratio goes down slightly when you add in the transfers. I think Michigan went up slightly. They did a really good job. Teams that are kind of narrow missers, Florida State and Ole Miss, did go up some. So FSU went like 38 to 41 and Ole Miss went up like four points. Their transfer stuff is much better than what they've done at the high school level. But like how many teams are building their roster with transfers that are super elite? Because the last four national title teams have averaged seven first round picks in the next two drafts. So they're recruiting all these studs at high school. Some of them are going to bust. Some will transfer away. But like a pretty good number of these are becoming elite players, first-round picks. To have seven first-round picks as an average in your two-deep for the national title team is pretty nuts. And I'm not sure you can build that through the portal. I'll also bring up the point, like, if if I was on the personnel side, in terms of talent acquisition, the way that you build organically through high school recruiting traditionally, it's how you build the top end of your roster. You can't rely on the transfer portal unless you're a team like – USC, Florida State, who has now built uh, a very, I, I would say, strong reputation at the top of college football when it comes to the transfer portal. Only a handful of teams, right? The majority of these teams, bud, and it seems outside of only two, Georgia and Michigan, percentage-wise, the, these teams would drop, right, in terms of the blue-chip ratio. But the goal in the transfer portal is not always to – raise the talent ceiling of your team rarely is it it's to bring up the floor mm -hmm. and it's to address depth right these these are often scenarios where you go through and you say hey i i'm getting to november december you you brought up health right being a huge proponent of some of the teams that you feel like it's going to be an indicator of success in december and january and i think a lot of these teams they use the transfer portal the majority of these teams to address depth. I, I was having a conversation with a power five program the other day asking me about a player that we had at Washington 
that was maybe the fourth or fifth defensive lineman that we took in a cycle. And Washington is not known as a powerhouse uh, among the front seven. And it, and it really was illuminating to me that a lot of these programs, they're just looking for warm bodies at the end of the day. So it's, it's no shock that I think 13 out of the 15 teams have saw a negative differential when it comes to the blue chip ratio once you add in the, the transfer portal impact. And they'd, they'd all be okay with that, obviously, because like you said, for the most part, they're taking them for depth, right? And that, that's that, like these teams are getting better because of the portal, but they're not adding a ton of like super elite talent via the portal for the most part. But I know you got to run here, but who are some teams that can maybe bust the blue chip ratio here in, in 2023? And I know one of them is Florida State. Um, so who are some others and, you know, what makes the Seminoles capable of, of, of busting through? Yeah, I think obviously path matters a lot. Like in order to bust it, you have to be able to get there. FSU is a team that will be favored in 10 games, most likely, right? Like they have to go to Clemson. They play LSU in the opener. Right now, Vegas has those both as like two or three point games. So, you know, like there's a there's a path there. I think they're a really deep football team, and they have added a couple of difference makers in the portal. Like Keon Coleman, I think is a better player than Johnny Wilson is. So, and I I think there's some guys on staff who do too. Uh, so, if Jordan Travis can play yet another level up, which we got to see it, you know, I, I don't think he got a tremendous draft grade from last year, but from a college football standpoint, you definitely want it. if he can play, which I don't. I don't think he can, but like if he can play like a Deshaun Watson or something, that gives you that generational quarterback to lift up the rest of the roster that otherwise is fairly close. Like they have some guys here. I think they got a lot of players who will get drafted actually off this team. I don't know if they have a lot of like top 50 type draft picks. That's probably the the difference there. Tennessee is is a team that's closest, and they do have a guy with the physical talent, as as Coop will tell you, right? Who, if he somehow puts it all together, Joe Milton is freaky arm talent and in that offense they could be really dangerous if they stay healthy on defense they have a little better defensive depth than they've had in recent years washington is another team that you know if they stay super healthy they have three really good receivers Penix played and lit the world on fire last year do they have enough defense to do it that those are kind of the three that i would highlight for the most part now chris hummer wrote a, a really good article on this he threw utah in there i, I guess we got to see what cam rising looks like I mean, that's one of the major questions we have for week zero because he didn't didn't do anything in spring off the ACL. I think the big thing is all four of those teams, right, have quarterbacks, as you mentioned, guys under under center. And I think some of those are developmental programs, right, that get the yeah. most bang for their buck. Utah, right, it, it seems like, you know, the guys go there, um, get plenty of seasoning, and then, you know, three years down the line, you're like, whoa, look at this individual. So, And, and that applies to what we were talking about with Michigan just a few minutes ago as well. But any any takeaway while you're doing this research and maybe about one program or another that maybe surprised you? I mean, I, I would say you're probably the person that is least surprised, right? Because you do this every year. So you, you're, you're tracking these teams. But was there an uptick or maybe a slight downtick that you noticed and, and said, hey, that's that's kind of notable there? Uh, one, one team that I, I was really high on for, as far as their trajectory was North Carolina. And they actually come in at 46%, which is the highest of all the teams that didn't make it. But last year, 20 signees, just six blue chips. So they appear to be trending in the wrong direction. You would think that they would capitalize on the excitement of having a player like Drake May. But it seems like the, I don't want to call them, you know, 
don't want to call it over, but the the recruiting that they were doing does seem to be trending in the wrong direction there, at least based off last year. Like that's a pretty abrupt turnaround to go uh, from, you know, 20 to six. I, I thought they would, if they had a decent year in the recruiting class, they'd actually be in the blue chip ratio. But I mean, six out of 20 is not, not really competing at that top level. South Carolina is a team actually that it'll be tough for them to ever really get in, get in. But if they really, I, I like what they're doing in the high school recruiting space. Honestly, I, I think we all like a lot of their players. So, I'm seeing them trend up some, and part of that for them is they have to catch Clemson, which before this week I might have told you was a little more possible, and now <laughs> Clemson's just, hey, we're going to go throw a hammer, hammer down here, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up North Carolina because uh, I'll be on the college football recruiting show later today on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Seamless plug there. And the topic that we are discussing is ACC progress reports in terms of recruiting. In North Carolina was a team. That was super fascinating to me. And right now, this is why you don't jump to conclusions in June. I think North Carolina is ranked number 12 right now, number three in the ACC. And if you're a North Carolina fan, you you take that for what it is, and that's exciting. The highest that they have finished during the Mac Brown era was number 11. But that class, I believe in 2022, two years ago, had nine top 247 players. Yeah. The class last year that finished 28, had zero. And as of right now, per 24-7 sports, not the composite, North Carolina doesn't have a four-star in their class. Right now, they have 14 commitments, so the quantity is something that I feel is like is giving them a little bit of boost while the market continues to kind of even out right now. So that's – I'm with you. To me, North Carolina is one of those teams. They have more meat left on the bone. And, you know, you got to – I feel like they've overachieved being at, at number 11 two years ago. But that being said, that's what they're capable of doing. That just shows that that's the standard that they're capable of reaching. So I do think North Carolina is interesting. And if and if South Carolina can get into – Bud, do you know off the top of your head where, where they're at percentage-wise? Uh, yeah, they are at 35%. I think, I, I think it's very fair to say over the next three to four years that they could be 45%. Especially if they, if they benefit from North Carolina's, uh, you know, downturn. But Elliot, he does it all. You can follow him at Cover Three Sports as well. But any plugs before we get you out of here? Uh, just hit us on the Cover Three podcast Twitter, Bud Elliot Three. Uh, you, you guys will see me out there. I think. <laughs> there you go, Bud Elliot. All right, King of the Blue Chip Ratio for Andrew Ivans, producer Lance Quinn. I'm Cooper Sagan. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the. 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.